Rookie Designer 119. So there's a couple of topics that I want to throw on the table for today. Uh, the main one being uh, somebody sent in and said that they had listened to a podcast I did a while back about uh, speaking up, when to speak up, when to put your opinion in, you know, whether people want it or not, or whether they're going to listen to it or not. Sometimes it's, you just need to speak up and you need to make your opinion heard about whatever it is you're working on. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that again, and actually it plays well into um, what's been going on with me at work. So. Uh, hopefully that'll be interesting for you. I uh, also wanted to touch on real briefly, we talked about uh, CMS systems last time, and I wanted to talk about an article that I just read that talks about some of the falling points of CMS systems, and hopefully uh, that'll bring some things to your attention maybe that you didn't know about or uh, you know, just make you more prepared to handle those types of problems. Uh, that's pretty much what we're going to be talking about today, though. Before we jump into everything, uh, I wanted to, first of all, thank you guys again for listening to the show, um, putting up with my very inconsistent schedule, and uh, for downloading or subscribing, however you guys get the podcast, I just really appreciate the fact that you guys listen, and it makes my time you know, all the more worthwhile, of course. Uh, I love getting the emails from you guys. If, if you have any questions or suggestions for a topic, I definitely welcome that. Uh, you can email me at rdpodcast at gmail.com. That's rd as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. Um, definitely, I, I love getting those. Um, I also ask that you guys, you know, tell other people about the show. If you enjoy what you're hearing here and you think somebody else can benefit, just, you know, let them know where it is, where they can get the show. Uh, if you have a Twitter account, maybe you can just uh, retweet. I always tweet every time I put out a new podcast. So if you want to just go ahead and retweet, I know some of you guys do that already. I really, really appreciate that as well. But uh, it's it's an easy way to very quickly just get the message out to a bunch of other people that that follow you. Um, I, of course, am on Twitter at Rookie Designer. So you can, uh, if you want to get those updates of, you know, know right when the podcasts come out, I usually send those out. And every once in a while, I'll throw up some tips or websites that I find that I think are interesting. And also from time to time, if I'm not going to be able to put up a show, uh, I'll try and tell you either that it's not going to be up or when I might be able to put it up. So some uh, decent information in there if you're looking for that kind of thing. Uh, I also want to throw another shout out to my friends at Pure 9 Studio. Again, Pure 9 Studio, I had an issue you know, a few weeks ago where my hard drive enclosure just crapped out on me. I needed to get a new one. I had absolutely no money. These guys ponied up all the money for it. Uh, I really, really appreciated that, of course. You can find them at pure9studios.com. That's pure, the number nine, studios.com. Uh, they do a lot of work for a lot of uh, nice companies. Uh, looking at the front page here, they have some stuff for Revlon, uh, the show Axemen. They do a lot of stuff for the History Channel. So go check that out. At least you know you can benefit from uh, from some looking at some of this stuff and getting some inspiration because they have some really really good work up here. Um, also, they have a Twitter Twitter feed that goes along with that. And they post interviews and things like that with designers. So it's there's some really good information to grab there. And again, just you know, it would it would mean a lot to me if you go check out their stuff because they helped me out in my time of need. And I thought that was really cool that they did that. So uh, again, Pure Nine Studios, Pure the Number Nine Studios dot com. 
All right, last but not least, before we get started, this podcast is being brought to you by GoToMeeting. And with GoToMeeting, you can do more and travel less. And you do this by hosting meetings online. So with the click of a button, you can start a meeting. Uh, you can invite people and they join through their browser. So it doesn't matter where they are. They don't have to travel to be in the office with you. They can be across the country. And it's just like they're there because you share your desktop with them. They can see everything that's going on on your computer as you do it. You talk to them over the phone or over voice over IP or both. And that way you can explain things in detail and show them at the same time. It's a very good system, works very well. We've used it at my work. Um, so if you want to try this out, you can try it for free for 30 days. You just go to this URL, gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. That's gotomeeting.com slash techpodcasts. And uh, fill out the little form there. You can download the software and try it for free for 30 days. Uh, again, you pay one flat rate. You meet as many times as you need to. Uh, again, you download the software to try it, set up a bunch of meetings, see if it works for you, and uh, hopefully it will. So check that out. So for the first topic today, again, we talked about content management systems in the last podcast and how they can be a great time saver, uh, a great ally to a web designer, uh, a designer who isn't necessarily too keen on the development side of things. So all the development is already done. They have all these plugins that you can just stick in there to do things like build shopping carts or, you know, make a, a login portal so where, you know, people have to log in to actually get to the content. These things are already there available to you. So that's a great time saver and a great, uh, a, again, a great ally to a designer who doesn't know how to create these things from scratch. So it's great in those respects. Uh, I, I came upon this article, though, yesterday. And it was on Freelance Switch, which is at FreelanceSwitch.com, another website that I recommend all the time. Um, but the article is called When Bad Things Happen to Good Content Management Systems. And they just point out a couple of the problems that can happen, um, mostly from not keeping the software updated. So uh, the, first, the first thing is hackers. And it says, the, the sad truth is that popular open source CMS packages have all been targeted. So they're talking mainly, I think the four they mentioned here are Drupal, Joomla, uh, one called Website Baker, and WordPress. So three of these are the ones that we talked about last time. So they're all in the mix here. And uh, really, it's just, it's, it's people hacking into your website, being able to post on your posts, on your articles, and uh, really get in and out undetected. So um, the best way to, to kind of fight against this is to make sure that, you know, every time your content management system comes out with an upgrade, it's usually for reasons like this, where you're fighting, you know, the spam spammers or hackers getting into your website. So making sure that you keep that software updated all the time. Now we said that the, the, the great benefit to a CMS system also is that once you set it up, you can train your user your client how to make updates to their own website. So it's great because you don't have to spend all this time going back and forth and updating their website for them. But, you know, this article kind of warns against you having that mentality that once you're done and you train them how to use it, now you're done forever. And that's not the case. You know, you need to make sure that if there is an update to that, you go back in and you update the software for this thing because it is going to help against things like hackers, spammers, breaking into their website, which is going to be more catastrophic than, than pretty much anything else if somebody ends up hacking into their website and putting some, uh, some comments or some kind of anything, any kind of content on their website that's undesirable. 
Um, the next one that they're talking about is just, excuse me, letting the, the CMS tool get too old to the point where it's things going to start breaking. So when you use a CMS tool, you need to generally have some, have PHP running on your server and also, uh, my SQL running on your server. Uh, if this is just a bunch of gibberish to you, you might not know what these things are. If you're not going to use a content management system, don't worry about it. If you are, these are things that you're going to have to at least become relatively familiar with. You don't have to be an expert. You just have to at least be able to talk to your your hosting company and say, I need this version of MySQL and this version of PHP. Because you need those things running to be able to run the CMS. So what happens if updates come up for your CMS? You install them. You know, you're doing your job. That's That's great. But if you don't install them and they actually use, I'm sorry, you do install them, but they they now use a different version of PHP or MySQL, things aren't going to work. You also have to be able to upgrade these things, or um, I guess usually you do upgrade it. First of all, whether your hosting company actually offers these new versions of PHP and MySQL, that would be the first question. So if they don't, then you're not going to want to update. That could cause other problems. But if you do update, again, things are going to break because it's counting on having those those uh, versions of software running. Um, second of all, if they do offer the new versions of those, it's actually going into your, your server and updating those things, whether somebody else does that or whether you're able to do that from some kind of panel from within your hosting company. Um, these are things that you need to to think about. So again, the article mainly talks about don't think of it as this you know set it and forget it thing. Once you show your client how to update things, that doesn't necessarily mean you'll never have to go back into it and and update something. There are things to to keep on top of with these things. Um, it is going to make your life a lot easier. But again, there are potential problems with these things that you might have to face and. Uh, Really, you just the first step is being aware that there are going to be these problems potentially, and you might have to uh, put out some fires that way. So, uh, I'll put a link to this article in the show notes uh, because it is a pretty long URL, so I'm not going to just give it to you here, but I'll put it in the show notes if you're interested in looking at that. Uh, it's really brief, it, it doesn't really go into great detail as to what you know potential problems might be, but I think it's a good read nonetheless to let you know hey, there, there are some potential downfalls there that you need to be aware of so that they don't happen to you. My second topic and the main topic for this podcast, I wanted to talk about speaking up. Um, A lot of times as a designer, we become kind of the small voice in the room as to what should be done um, with a particular design project. And I I did a podcast, it was probably months ago. I don't even remember how long ago. I think it was quite a while ago. It was when my company was actually in the in the process of changing their their logo, their mark. Uh, we changed our name from Network Car to Network Fleet, which at the time was just the the name of our product. And people found it very confusing to know which one was the product name and which one was the company name. So they made the decision to just go ahead and change the company name to the product name, so everything was the same. So they made a new logo. And my criticism, my criticism of that was that it seemed to be basically the president of the company and the marketing vice president of marketing in these meetings with the, they, they sent the, the design work out to a company, which was fine. You know, um, that's not generally something you're going to keep in house. It's something you want to send out to other people. 
uh, who are external, who have, who are going to have different ideas, who haven't been working for the company for years. And, uh, you know, there's, there's just conflicts there. It's better to get an outside perspective on things like these. So I, I had no problem with that. But the fact that these two individuals were pretty much the only people in contact with this uh, design firm, and they were making all the decisions. They, they, showed a few very initial designs to all of the heads of the departments in the company, but really got no input from any of them going forward, got no input from myself or anyone else who works in a design capacity in the company. And I thought that was just the wrong way to go about things. Now, I'm not saying that that it's they're, they're definitely required to ask me what my opinion is just because I'm a designer in the company. But, you know, I, I gave a couple of opinions when they started pushing out the the almost final version to everybody to, to just kind of, I don't even know if it was gauging what people thought of it. It was more just like, hey, this is what we're going to do. Um, I had some concerns, you know, about how this thing is going to work in print, probably pretty well. But how's it going to work on the web? It had gradients in it. It had other items that might make it not always come out as perfect as it should when you save it for optimized for web. Um, so different concerns like this that, that are things that I I personally know that these two guys have no clue about. They're not thinking of these things. And when I raised some of these issues, the, the, the president did say, oh yeah, you know, I didn't really think about that. That's a good point. So I think at some point they really needed somebody to bounce ideas off of. And uh, once I raised a couple issues, they did bounce the ideas off other people and they ended up going with the same design anyways, um, against what I, against uh, my better judgment, I would say, but uh, you know, it was their decision. So they made it. Um, So my beef with that wasn't the issue of they're not going to let me decide what happens with it. It was, they're not even going to ask for anyone else's help in deciding what to do with this thing. So that's basically the premise of the last show. And somebody wrote in and asked for me to do kind of a part two, because they, they said that they had similar, similar problems at work or similar issues. And they didn't really, they wanted to know more about, you know, when, when is it okay to speak up? When is it okay to make your opinion heard? And uh, I thought that was a great thing. I can't find the email for the life of me. I'd like to, uh, you know, give credit to the person that wrote in, but I can't find the email right now. So anyways, so I guess background on this, I, I said this fits nicely with a project that I've been doing lately. And I think I've talked about it in the last few podcasts. We we are actually putting a new face, redesigning our online application. And the application is one in which um, there's a device in, in someone's vehicle it sends data from the engine computer, um, not only GPS, which is where they are at the current time, but also you know how the how the vehicle's performing, so what how fast they're driving, how much they're idling, um, the gas, the MPG, um, all these different things, and it also gives you alerts when something's going wrong with the car, things like that. So all of this data comes in to our data center, gets crunched, and populates in our application. So that's what the application is about. So we're putting a new face on it. They're actually redoing the whole, uh, the whole back end of it to make it more, uh, more web 2.0, more, um, Ajaxified, if you will. And we thought at the same time, let's put a new face on it because it really hasn't been redesigned in probably five or six years. So it looks really old. Okay. So we're working on this project and 
for this, uh, we actually had a contractor come in and she's helping me do this whole redesign project. She's actually done quite a few of them before, um, which is good. It was very good for me. And uh, the one thing that I find, though, with outside entities coming into a company is they their number one goal is to aim to please, right? So they don't know the culture, how things work necessarily in this business, uh, as much as somebody who obviously comes to work here every day and has been for, for a couple of years, their job is to come up with uh, what they think is a good system and also please all the higher-ups of this company along the way. That has been probably my major problem with this person. I mean, the work that's been done has been excellent. Uh, I think I think bending over to appease everyone all the time isn't always the best strategy, and uh, I mean, there's a history that goes back with this company between our department and other departments in the company as to where, you know, we almost butt heads at times. And it's not the best way to work, but sometimes it's just what happens because people don't respect people in the other department. Anyways, that's a whole nother story. Um, the thing with the, the redesign of the app, we had lots of meetings. So we, probably more than anyone else, I mean, the other guys are working on the back end and no one, no one really knows anything about, you know, how that should go, how that should go down other than the people working on it. So they don't really have to check in with the other departments and say, here's what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. For us, we're working on the part that everyone's going to see. The users are going to see it. Uh, the upper management is going to see it. So we do have meetings, you know, pretty much every week to discuss, you know, where everything is going to go, how it's going to look, what colors are we using, all those kind of things. So we have lots of meetings with these people. Um, we also had lots of meetings with some of our trusted customers because we want to get opinions of people who are actually going to be using the product, which is very good, of course. And, and I did go through some of this in an earlier podcast as well, where we're talking about, you know, a whole redesign project and uh, what the steps we went through for that. Um, so check that out if you want to hear more about that one. And actually, let me see. Uh, that's Rookie Designer 114. It's called Research and Planning, if you want to go back and check that one out and hear a little bit more about that kind of stuff, the planning that went into um, this whole project and, and some of the things that we did along the way. Uh, anyways, so we had you know meetings with our product management people. Um, some of those meetings the president actually came into as well because um, ultimately he seems like the only person willing to make a decision at times, and he definitely is the person to make decisions. Um, and we had the meetings with the, the customers. We also have resellers, people who own their own business who, who sell our product for us. Uh, so we talked to some of them and also some end customers who just bought the product from us and use it. So we get a lot of different people in, in the room here in the conversation. And a lot of people have different tastes. So we have to really kind of please a whole array of different people. The people using it want to see certain functions in the website. They want to see th things, you know, in certain areas so that they can get to it easier. Um, we have people on the, the marketing side of our team, of our company, who want to make sure that the brand holds up and that we're, we're conveying the right messages and things of that nature. Um, the president just, you know, wants everybody to be happy and he wants the most feature, the most bang for his buck, of course. So a lot of, uh, a lot of 
things went into that as well as far as, you know, we have a, a deadline for this project, so how much can we fit in and still make that deadline? And if he wants to add on top of that, okay, now we have to, to tell him how much more time is this going to take so that we can push the deadline back to get in what he wants to get in. So we, we do have to appease a lot of different people, but ultimately we're in charge of doing what's best for the user. This is, it's called user interface design for a reason. You may want to have certain aspects or certain items in your website, but when it all boils down, you really want the user to have the best experience possible. You want them to get to everything very easily, understand where things are, even if they're a new user, um, have them understand how to use the software and, uh, you know, make it so that it's, uh, it's something that they can use to get their work done in a timely fashion. The more time you save them, the better, the more, the more happy they're going to be with your application. So really it's a, it's an intense balancing act. And I think the first thing I said last time I talked about speaking up is you really have to know your audience. So the people that you're going to be talking with, are they receptive to your opinions? Are they receptive to criticism? Are you going to be able to say certain things? Is, is, it, uh, is it a safe environment, I guess? Are you going to be able to say things without people taking it personally or you know, getting into this uh, mode where people are attacking each other just because they don't like each other's ideas? I mean, that's, that's definitely something to take into account because you don't want to be speaking up if, if it's going to be uh, something like that where it just causes infighting and really nothing ever gets done. So you have to know your audience. You have to know, you know, is it okay for me to speak up? Uh, I am of the mind that generally it should always be okay for you to speak up, but uh, I, I must say that I've had the pleasure of working somewhere where that's kind of the culture. You know, from our president all the way down to the lowest people in our company, he's always stressed the fact that anybody should be able to um, voice their opinion. Uh, if they have any concerns about how things are going in the company, they should be able to go to their supervisor and, and voice that opinion and not be looked down upon for doing so. And uh, hopefully it would, it would result in some kind of change that would make things better. But, you know, it's not every situation is the same. Sometimes, sometimes you're the low person on the totem pole for a reason because they, they don't want to hear any of your opinions. <laughs> you're just there to be, you know, a, a production artist and you get no, absolutely no feedback in the conversation. I don't think that's a very good way to do business. I think everybody should be able to have an opinion. And if you don't like the opinion, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to follow it. But just being able to hear it, I think, and hear different perspectives, because everybody's got a different way of thinking about things, I think is only going to help you all the more. But, you know, know your place. If you shouldn't be talking, then you shouldn't be talking. Uh, if you think it's going to be okay, then I say absolutely any point at which you feel you need to, to throw your two cents into the conversation, I would say do so. Uh, the next thing is to do your research. Now, you don't want to just start blabbing, you know, what you think should be happening when you have nothing, absolutely nothing to back it up. The, the more research that you do, the more intelligent you're going to sound when you voice that opinion, and the harder it is going to be for others to discredit what you're talking about. So, um, trying to think of specific things that came up in this design project, but 
just talking about things like colors, colors is probably one of the hardest things to to come to some kind of decision on because everybody has diff- different tastes when it comes to colors. Um, I tend to be of the the thought that darker colors are very good for anchoring a page. Now you'll see a lot of uh, current designs, uh, these very Web 2.0-ish sites there, and there is kind of a style that goes along with that, but you'll find a lot of them anchor their page at the top with a very dark, a lot of times even black header that really makes that logo stand out and pop out of the page. And it really kind of anchors it so that, you know, here's the first thing that you're looking at on the page. And then you kind of move down from there. Uh, A very large percentage of the people in my company uh, just do not like dark colors in any way ever. So we always kind of have that fight um, as to, you know, do we use dark colors or not? And, you know, some of the things that I say are, you know, I've seen this on other sites. They use it for anchoring. They use it to draw the eye to that particular part of the website. And, uh, you know, that's, that's basically as far as I can go. I mean, other than that, it's really just personal preference of do you like this color or not? So having some other things to back it up, like, okay, we're trying to draw the person's eye to this portion of the website because it's a very important area for them to look at. This is where maybe the navigation is, or this is where the logo is. So do you want them to notice the logo? This is a good way to do it. But just having um, research, and by research, I don't always mean, uh, let's go find some old textbooks and, and find, you know, the, the, uh, the study on top 10 way top 10 ways people look at a website or top 10 reasons why you know people respond to a website in a certain way i mean things like that absolutely can help you at times but sometimes it's research meaning i'm going to go to a lot of different websites and see what they do and you know if if 80% of website designers do things a certain way there's probably a good reason why they do that uh, in terms of navigation or page controls, things of that nature, it's really, really good to look at the trending of you know how many people do it a certain way, how many people do it a different way. Because generally, you know, and it's not uncommon for web designers to uh, quote unquote copy each other. It's for things like that. I, I wouldn't really, I wouldn't really bring up copying or plagiarism or anything like that because it's just people find a certain way of doing things. And it works. So once somebody gets used to a certain kind of system, if you borrow that system and put it on your own website, people will come, even if they're a first-time user, and they'll recognize it and they'll say, oh, I know how to use this because I've used it on another website before. So research in the way of proving your points of why something should be done a certain way can, can be done in multiple ways. I mean, you can go to those books that people have done studies, you know, people do studies of where people look at their computer first, where they look on the web page first by using like these heat tests, um, all the way from something like that, like a white paper or something like that, that's, that's about people who have done research all the way down to just looking at a, a different array of websites and seeing how they do different things, how, seeing what their solution is to the problem that you're facing. So once you've done this research, it helps you to be able to voice your opinions in a very intelligent way. It's not just saying, 
well, I think black is better than, than light blue, you know? I mean, that's not going to go over that well with anyone, especially if they like light blue. They're just going to discount you entirely. But if you come with some background information of, you know, these are the top three reasons why I think that we should use black instead of light blue, uh, at least at least makes it a little bit harder for them to just kind of blow you off and say, yeah, whatever. You also need to bring your opinion and your remarks when appropriate. So if you're getting into this conversation about, and I hate to keep going back to using colors, but if you're getting into this conversation about colors, color schemes, and uh, you know why certain colors should be used and why certain others shouldn't, I mean, that's obviously an appropriate time to bring your comments about um, colors and things of that nature. If, co- if the, the colors of the website, if you have, you know, three or four different company colors and they absolutely must be used uh, to, you know, to enhance the branding, to, to carry on the, the branding colors and name of your company, and there's absolutely no way they're going to slide on that fact, then probably not the best time to come with, hey, I think we should use this color instead. You know, if it's not up for discussion, then it's just not and you're going to have to deal with it. Um, that's probably not the best time to start rattling off some information about why you should use other colors. Now, if you think there's receptive to a possible change in in uh, in their ideas about what color should be used, then sure. But if it's something that's that's really just not going to be up for discussion, that's probably not going to be a time to bring up your opinions on the subject. Um, my next one here is uh, educate your audience. And that kind of goes along with backing up your statements. Now, you've done this research. You want to bring it. You want to bring your opinion. You want to tell them kind of why you came to the decisions that you came to. That's basically what you're doing there is you're educating your audience. So like I said in the whole example with the logo, people didn't think about, you know, how is this going to translate not only to print, uh, but also maybe to printing in, in spot colors, you know, or... How is it going to translate when I optimize this for the web? You know, is it going to translate well? Is it going to look just as good as it does on a printed page? That's important. You know, if you want, if the whole idea is to make sure your branding stays consistent, then you got to make sure that that this logo is going to be, is going to remain consistent across several different types of media. So these are things that these, you know, managers, vice presidents, presidents, they don't always think about because they don't know. That's not their job to know those things. So what we bring to the whole user interface design is these things that they don't think about. You know, where is the user going to look first? Are they going to understand the navigation? Do they understand how to, you know, maybe navigate through a table? These are the things that we bring to the table that they don't think about. So we need to educate them. Hey, this is the why. This is the reason why we make this uh, little pagination bar the way it is, or this is why we make the navigation, you know, work in the way that it does because it makes sense to users because it's been used in other websites and they're comfortable with that, or it's or it's used in other applications that they may be comfortable with. So part of your job here is to educate. Now that doesn't mean you're going to lecture you know, your company president on the finer points of user interface design and why things are done the way that they're done. You're just going to say, hey, my opinion is this. So your opinion may be, you know, I need these drop down fields to be at the top of the page because they correspond with the things below them. 
And it's going to make more sense to the user if it's, you know, always in that same spot in the top of the page. Uh, and, you know, your reasoning for that is consistency. Uh, it's something that's been done across other websites, so that they're going to be comfortable with that. And having it in the order that it's in is going to make sense to the user. Um, you know, this is just your, your backup information, your... your you're, I call it educating because, again, it's things they don't think about. But, again, it's not really – you're not giving a lecture here. You're just backing up your statements as to why things should be the way that they are. The last one I have down here is prepare for rejection. This is probably the most important one. So we go and we spend all this time. We, we make our wireframes or our mock-ups in Photoshop. We make this beautiful mock-up of how we think the uh, – the website should look and where things should go and things like that. And we take it to them and they just totally crap all over it. Uh, it's going to happen every time. You know, the colors that you use, they don't like. Um, the order that you put the navigation in, they don't like. Um, there's all kinds of things that they're not going to like about the way that you do things. And it's going to be up for a debate. It's going to be lots of different people throwing their opinions in. Again, we're having to please a lot of different people. And sometimes the the fact that that people don't realize is, you know, the people making decisions about what happens to this application are not the people that are going to be using it, which is bad, which is why we try and get a lot of customer feedback as much as we can, because leaving it up to a product manager is one thing. If they do their research with the customers and, and they then know what the customer wants, that's one thing. If they're just kind of throwing blind guesses out at what they think the user is going to want, that's not good. Because how does that one person know any more than me as the designer knows what the customer wants? Neither of us know unless we talk to the customer and find out from the customer what the customer wants to see. So there's going to be lots of rejection everywhere. It doesn't always make sense. And it also doesn't always matter. Some of these people are in a higher position than you. They are the ones that get paid to make decisions. They will make the decisions even if they're wrong or you think they're wrong. It's still the final decision. You have to deal with it. So I say prepare for rejection and always have a backup plan or a plan B. Um, when you make these mocks, you always got to be of the mind that somebody's going to tear it apart. They're going to want to see something different and you're going to have to go back and make those changes. One of the things that I've done here with this project or, or both of us have tried to do is make sure that we have kind of a backup plan. So we're undertaking this humongous project and there, again, is a deadline for it. There's lots of things going on behind the scenes in the back end. So to make things better for the customer, sometimes we want to tinker with the technology a little bit. Sometimes actually when you're only just setting up how the website is going to look, you're also dictating how it's going to function as well. So we have to go back to the development guys and say, hey, is this, gonna, is this something that's going to work, first of all? Second of all, is it going to take you a lot more development to get that done? And third of all, is that going to fit into our plan of making our deadline? So once we go through those things, now you have to start thinking about a plan B. What happens if there isn't enough time to develop it the way that we have it? So what we've been trying to do is say, okay, if there's not time to develop it, here's what things are going to look like and here's how it's going to function. And it'll be like a phase one, phase two type of thing. It may not be the desirable result in the beginning, but it will be able to be transformed into that desir desirable result at some point. 
the the second part to that is if there is time for the development, then yes, we have this idealistic component in our page and it looks exactly the way that we want it to and that's what we're going to go with. So that way we always have that fallback plan. Now, because we hear things from the product manager like, it's not my job to think about what happens if there's not enough time to develop this. Uh, I would absolutely disagree with that because you have to think about different scenarios. Um, You always want to shoot for the best case scenario. You know, you don't want to shoot too low. You always want to have the best, the ideal result coming out of what your thought process is. But you always do have to think about uh, other factors, you know, things that might come up. If there's a problem, if things don't work out the way that we thought they would, especially when we're working with new technologies that we haven't worked with before, you have to take into account the fact that some things might not work the way you, you think that they will. And in that case, you have to have a plan B. You have to have a fallback plan so that you're not just left out in the dark. You're not just totally screwed. So these are the things that we bring. And and I think that's a good example of, you know, you always have to prepare for rejection. Rejection in the way that maybe people won't like your ideas or won't like your designs, but also in the fact that maybe things aren't going to work out the way that you thought that they would work. So always having that plan B, the backup plan, is going to be very, very advantageous. So you want to make sure that that's always the case. Uh, I want to touch on one specific thing that we kind of had a a mixed opinion on, and that is, so I've I've shared a little bit about what this application is. Um, The thing that I didn't share is the only people who are allowed into this application are people who have already bought the product. Obviously, you have to have the device in your car to be able to send the data, to be able to get that crunched and pushed up to the application. And then they have a login where they go in. Obviously you don't want this to be public information. You yourself want to know what's going on with your, your vehicles. So the, the main point here is for me that, that everybody who visits this application knows what our company is, at least at some point, whether they bought it straight from us or whether they bought it through a reseller who still gives them education about our company um, they already paid for this application. They already paid for the hardware that goes in their car and they paid for you know, a monthly service to have that information thrown up onto our website and they, they can see it. So the big sticking point for between myself and, and the person I've been working with and the marketing company, or marketing company, the marketing department in my company is that they really want to push the brand inside the application as well as outside. Now, my argument is, of course, that outside of the application is when you log out is our marketing site. This is where it tells you what the product does, how it can help you, you know, ROI, uh, testimonials from all kinds of people, case studies. This is where you learn where the product does and where it tries to sell it to you. Once you log in, you're somebody who has already paid for it. You don't need this information, you know. So the big sticking point is, first of all, a logo. So for the last six years or so, we have had our logo at the top and also the reseller or customer is has the ability to put their own logo in there and kind of co-brand it with their own stuff. Um, now we're talking about, should that still be happening? Well, my first take on it was, 
I actually wasn't aware that only the resellers, the people who sell our product to other other companies, those are the ones who get to put their logos up. I was under the impression that anyone who buys the product gets to put their own logo up there, which was my take on the thing. And, and I thought that, okay, if we're going towards Web 2.0, one of the things, one of the principles of that is interactivity, excuse me, interactivity and customization. That's something you see across a lot of different sites. You're able to put at least some kind of avatar up or something for yourself. Um, a, a lot of times you can change the way things look. You know, the organization of Windows, kind of like iGoogle, where you can move your di different widgets around. Um, you can change colors sometimes to make it the colors that you want. Or if you have a company and you're using some kind of, uh, you know, accounting software, they'll, they'll allow you to change the color so it matches your own company. They allow you to put your own logo there so it looks like your application. This is, this is the road I wanted to go down. Um, met very, very uh, strong disagreement with that because they felt that we still, that any opportunity, this is what they said, any opportunity to sell the name or sell the product, we want to take advantage of that. So um, now we're down to, we have to use the, the company colors and no one will ever be able to change those colors. Um, our logo needs to be the largest one and have position number one, which is top left, usually where the, the first logo is. Um, they're, they're even thinking about just discontinuing the reseller logo altogether and just writing the, the reseller business name at the top, which, you know, this may not seem like a lot of decisions that are going to affect the design, but they actually did because it changes the way that the, the top header of the application looks. And uh, it really just kind of threw us for a loop because none of this stuff was talked about before we went in to start designing what this thing was going to look like. It just kind of came out at the end and now they're scrambling to find, to, to come to a decision about what to do about it. And, uh, I don't know. It just, uh, the way it was handled, I think was, was very bad, very poor. So, I mean, things like this where, you know, how much color or, or graphics goes into an application are things that, that, I brought my opinion. I, I brought my disagreement with others. You know, it's for me, once you buy an app, once you pay for this application, you get in there, I don't need to be bombarded with, you know, the company name or the company colors. Now, whether that matters to the customer or not, probably not. For resellers that don't get their logo up there anymore, it's probably going to make a big difference for them. They're probably really going to be upset about that. But as far as colors, um, Colors are, are what they are. You know, you, you try to use what is pleasing, what what makes things stand out in a good way so that so that they can find all the different items on the website that they need to find. Um, using color and tables and things like that to organize the data, pretty important. But which color do you use may not be all that important. Um, graphics. Um, these people like to put like lots of nice pictures and little graphics and icons and stuff. And, and sometimes that's good. And sometimes it can be way overkill. We're talking about an application where we're looking for data. And I think the big bottom line here that sometimes these higher up people don't understand is, and they should, because they, they themselves use applications. Once you use that application for about a day or two, you don't notice anything else. You go in, you find your data, that's what you're looking at. You don't notice the picture of a, a little road at the top. You don't notice whose logo is up in the top or what color the website is. You notice what you're looking at, which is the, the, the hard data that you're getting from that website. So 
I don't know, I guess to sum it up, again, you know, knowing your audience, first of all, are are you supposed to be talking? Are you supposed to have a voice? Are they going to be receptive to, to your input? Um, and not necessarily agree with you. I'm not saying receptive doesn't mean that they have to agree with what you said. It just means that they're receptive to you actually having an opinion and voicing it and getting it out there. If that's the case, absolutely. I, th- I think it's your job to bring this research that you have, which was the second point, do your research, bring, you know, some kind of backup information as to why you think things should be a certain way. And if you do that, I think you should always speak up. And I think it it's kind of your, your job to do so because you have education beyond these other people in certain aspects. And those are the things you need to bring up, things that they might not be thinking of. If you do that, you know, I think there should be positive positive results. But again, always prepare for rejection because people have different tastes, especially those higher-ups, especially those people in marketing. Um, I generally have a thing against people in marketing, but, and I think that's, you know, something that happens a lot to to designers. We, We tend to butt heads, but I mean, they have a lot of different opinions about the way things should work than designers do. And you got to prepare for that rejection because it is going to come sooner or later, probably more likely sooner than later. So always have that backup plan so that, you know, it's not the end of the world. If they trash everything you do, you you know that you can go back and, and fix things and and get it a little bit closer. Get that compromise between what you, you think needs to be done and what they want. And he has Baker standing in his way. Two balls and no strikes to Baker. And a ground ball to third. All right, my website for the bullpen today is called Design Tech. And uh, this is a great website, just another resource for designers. It has news and reviews. They have downloads. Uh, they have examples for that you can check out for inspiration. Um, it's, it's very web designer-focused. Um, so those of you who do print design, you might not find a whole lot here, but I still think that there are some useful things. Um, you can find this at designtech.info, and that is design, D-E-S-I-Z-N-T-E-C-H dot info. And I'll put that uh, up in the show notes as well, so you can just click from the Rookie Designer site if you want to. And of course, Rookie Designer, you can find at rookiedesigner.com. But again, Design Tech, check it out. Um, lots of good information for web designers, uh, lots of great ideas in you know, great examples and also some cool little freebies there that you can check out as well. So check that out. So again, I hope uh, the information that we share today is useful to everybody. Uh, I think it's a big thing, you know, finding your voice. It's not always the easiest thing to speak up and speak, speak up against, you know, other people's opinions, especially when those people are, are, you know, management types in a company. But again, I think I feel like it's my duty to do so because there's things that I know from my training that those people don't know. So I feel like it's my responsibility to educate them on those things as to, you know, why I think, you know, we should do things certain ways or use certain colors or, you know, anything that that comes into the design process. You should always have some kind of backup information to to back yourself up as to why you did things a certain way. It's just it's just you know, you don't you don't design by the seat of your pants because you think things look nice. You do it for a certain reason, especially when we're talking about UI design. So hopefully that was helpful to everybody. Again, I thank you for listening to the show, downloading, subscribing, however you get it. And again, if you have any questions or comments for me, 
just email them to rdpodcast at gmail.com. RD as in rookie designer, rdpodcast at gmail.com. Spread the word about the show if you can. And uh, well, just remember, everyone's a rookie before they're an all-star. Drive left center field. He might have had it. There it goes.